welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. How y'all doing? I'm sure you can sit down at least. Beautiful. Man, I love this church. Yeah. I think this is my most favorite church outside of Johannesburg, South Africa. <laughs> uh, no, really, it's an awesome privilege and pleasure to be with you this morning. We've so looked forward to it. And this time I brought my wife and uh, she's with us. So it's great to have her. You guys are so good at giving God glory. I, I just love it. And I love the way that you do things with such excellence. And it inspires me. And uh, it honors God. And I want to tell you that what God is doing here is resounding around the world. And through Kath and Tony, they've been such a blessing. I want to just tell you how much uh, a blessing, a help, and encouragement they've been to Andy and I. We've been through some very difficult moments in ministry, probably some of the most toughest times. And recently when they were in South Africa, I was able to fly down and spend some time with them while they were in Durban. They gave, us, they gave me a day, and he wasn't able to come, but it was such an important moment in time in some of the most difficult moments of ministry in transitioning a church to be a church that sees those who are far from God get impacted and changed by his life-changing grace. And uh, as we've done that, there's been some moments where Tony and Kathy have really been helpful, encouraging, just saying, keep going, Craig, keep doing it. And uh, we want to just say publicly, guys, thanks. And uh, yeah. And I know that's not just for urban life where we come from. We come and just, we bring greetings. But also, I know that um, what you guys are helping with us and helping others in South Africa have been a real blessing. So we really appreciate you guys and releasing them to do that. And so it's a joy and a privilege to be here this morning. I want to ask a question. How many of you would like to be below average when it comes to money and finances? Anybody, do I have any takers for that? You know, you just want to be a little bit below average when it comes to money and finances. No one? No one really, you know... You want to be just that little bit below average. Well, let me tell you that probably for most of us, we are in the area of giving. Because studies have shown that the more you earn, the less you give, percentagely. We are more than likely below average when it comes to things like giving. But that's the bad news and the good news is this, that we're probably above average when it comes to shopping. <laughs> In fact, some of us are really good at shopping, aren't we? We kind of know where all the specials are, where it, it is to get the right things at the right In fact, we are so good at shopping that um, we're even able to go to the bank and convince them to give us money so that we can shop more. And, and then we even can shop more than we can actually afford in sometimes, don't we? So the good news is that we're actually above average when it comes to those kind of things. 
In fact, we're so good at shopping that um, we even convince people to, to, to serve us food, cook it for us, pay them to serve us, and, and it's, it's quite amazing, isn't it? In fact, for many of us, we have things called, we're so rich, we have things called cars. I don't know if you know them. They're kind of uh, made out of metal, got four wheels. Um, do you have them here? In fact, um, we're so rich, and we have the ability that most of us in our families have two of them. And in fact, we even build a house for them. And uh, we call it a garage. And, and some of us even have a house for two of them. Uh, I want to speak to us this morning on how to be rich, not how to get rich. See, the reality is for most of us in this room, and I would say for the vast majority, we are rich. Now, you probably don't feel rich and you don't believe that you're rich because probably of two reasons, at least, is the one is that you know somebody richer than you, so you don't really think you're rich. And the other reason is, is because you don't feel rich because you got nothing at the end of the month or the end of the week. You don't have any margins in your life or in your, in your finances. And so because we don't have excess, we don't feel rich. And because we don't feel rich, we don't believe we're rich. I'm sure there's a host more other reasons. But here's the deal. I found out that in Australia, the minimum wage is $600 a week. Now, just to put that into context, all right? In South Africa, the equivalent minimum, minimum age, minimum wage, minimum age, minimum wage is $50 a week. That's a twelfth of your minimum wage. Now, if you earn $800 a week, I won't ask you to put up your hand, but if you earn $800 a week or more, you are in the top 1% in the world. In the world. So that puts probably most of Australians in the top 1% in the world. See, we can't start thinking, am I rich to my neighbor? But in the world, for God so loved the world. Not just God so loved Australia. God so loved the Clarks or the Rainbows. No, it's got nothing to do with that. God so loved the world. And in the context of the world... We are rich. Did you know that you Australians are now at the top in the list of the, in the world in terms of your average size house? You just passed the Americans. A year or two ago, you are now number one in the world with the largest average size house. How's that? Did you know that? We're rich. Friends, it's not about how to get rich. We are already rich. The good news I want to say to you this morning is, you're rich. 
Well, to some that may look like, uh, you know, let me do it again. Okay. The good news this morning is you're rich. Yeah. And, and let me say is that God wants us to be rich. There was a Time Magazine article in 2009 that asked this question. Does God want us to be rich? That's not a difficult question to answer, friends. Is that God wants us to be rich, but he tells us how to be rich, not how to get rich. And I want to just talk a little bit around this this morning. I really feel like God put this on my heart, and I wasn't quite sure because I listened to what Tony had to say last week, and I thought, oh no, God, he's kind of said a little bit what I thought that you wanted me to speak on here this morning. And so I kind of rolled that one up, and, and yet as I chatted to Tony, he kind of said, hey, you know what, it may be cool just to, to continue this. Not just cool, but I believe that it is God. You may be here this morning, and you're visiting, and you think, oh, no, I came to church, and this dude is talking about money. <laughs> or maybe you always come to victory, and you think, oh, no, just speak about Mario, Craig. Tell some stories. <laughs> Let's laugh. Let's talk about that and go home. But actually... The reason that I want to say this is because not only is the good news that we're rich, the bad news that I have for you this morning is you're rich. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there wasn't such a good, uh, yeah. And the reason is, is, is that this, is that it's bad news because it's probably one of the most greatest challenges that we all face is finances. I mean, you know, when you think about it, sometimes for for a large part of us, most of us, sickness may come and go. There's maybe a season for sickness, maybe difficulties in relationships and marriage. There comes a season that it comes and it goes. But there's one thing that doesn't come and it doesn't go. It's always with us is that week after week, we need money. And what we do with our money is a window to our soul. And God wants us to be rich, and he wants us to live as rich. He doesn't want us just to get rich. And so this morning, we're going to just talk a little bit around, is that all right? Are you cool? Have you got used to my accent? Does it kind of make sense? Good, good. Right. Now, the other reason there's bad news about being rich is this, is that in, in in the Bible, Jesus said this. Hopefully it'll come up. I'm not sure. You guys are, are normally pretty jacked. At the, oh, no, I can't say that. Jacked is, is what? Bad. You don't know? You got it. You got it. All right, let me just carry on. Jesus said it is more difficult for a rich person to get into heaven than it is to get a camel through the eye of a needle. Now, I know that there's many interpretations and many people have shared different things about what an eye of a needle is, and we don't absolutely know what it is because Jesus used it and in that time 2,000 years ago we may not fully understand what that is today but 18 months ago Andy and I were had the privilege of being in Israel and we were up on Masada and uh, we were doing a tour of Masada this is that um, right in the down in the Dead Sea but it's that um, sort of mountain fortress that was built and we were doing the tour, and the tour guide that was taking this group around said to, said to us that there is, this is what they call an eye of the needle. You know, as I looked at it, I've, I've been 
sort of told, and it may have been that it was a gate in Jerusalem where a camel would have to go on its knees and get through. It was very difficult to do that. Or even a physical needle, whatever it is. But this is another aspect to it. And just for a metaphor for us, even if it's not it, it, it really does help us to understand this because it's helped me to understand what Jesus was saying, was that what an eye needle is, is that there would be a wall which would be parallel or perpendicular to all others. But then one other wall would come in at an angle. So kind of something like that. Now an animal which has its eyes generally on the side of its head giving a greater amount of view but loses something of the front view, especially when one wall is coming in and the other one isn't. And so what they would do is they built these what they called an eye of a needle, to stop animals from coming in. So if a horse or a camel came down this, net, this, this eye, even though it could get through the end, the gap was big enough, the one wall would, would just freak the animal out and it would stop. Because it would be saying, stop, this something's happening. Now, it wasn't impossible to get an animal through because what they would do is put blinkers on it and lead it through. And Jesus didn't say it's impossible to get a rich man to heaven. He just says it's difficult. And the reality is, is that for us as rich, what we need is we need blinkers on and we need Jesus to lead us through the eye of the needle. And if we don't get these blinkers on, if we don't understand what it is that we're rich, it's going to be very difficult for us to get through. But when we, we take and put the, you see, the problem is, is the world is hemming us in. The world is telling us to do things. We're living in this upside down world, this inside out. It doesn't make sense. But what we need is the blinkers of what does God say? And we need Jesus to lead us through and we'll get it through. That's the great news. It's not just good news or bad news. The great news is this morning is that we as rich people can get into heaven. But it's through Jesus that we do that. Now, the big question I want to ask this morning then is, why has God made us rich? Why has God made us rich? And you still may not be feeling rich, and you may still not be believing you're rich, but hopefully by the end we'll get there. But let me just ask this question, is why has God made us rich? Now, to most in some of the observations, you may think, well, God made me rich, and he makes me richer so that I can spend it on myself. <laughs> I mean, that's our bias, isn't it? That's kind of, hey, I got a bonus. Do you get a bonus or a, a little payout or whatever it is? And I think, hmm, what can I do? I could buy a bigger flat screen TV, uh, could go on a holiday, could do. And we think about what can we do with the extra that God gives to spend on ourselves. Most of my observation, and even in my own life, I feel that's my bias. Without my blinkers on, that's what I want to do. So let's look at what the Bible says. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 11, it says, you will be made rich in every way. How many ways? Every way. There we go. So that you can be generous on how many occasions? Every occasion, that's good. That through us, your generosity will produce thanksgiving to God. Now, this is Paul, and he's speaking to a church, but let's make it us today. 
So if we did it this to say, we will be made rich in every way so that our generosity on every occasion, so that through our generosity, it will produce thanksgiving to God. So just turn that around and make it yours. I'm dreaming of a church that would be like it. Could you imagine what it'd be like? So when people come into contact with us, they say, wow, you're so different. You're generous on every occasion. It's like, you know what, I, I, and, and I know that you are, and you're a very generous church because you have generous people leading the church. And I know that, I mean, for Tony Keller, very generous. We had a stand-up fight yesterday in the, in the shopping mall, and I, I, I just stopped from hitting him because I know he's stronger than me and younger than me, and I didn't want to create a scene. Two pastors have a brawl in the shopping mall. But you guys, I know are generous, and on every occasion, you know, let me tell you a story quickly, and that is, we have what we call an urban market. I don't know what it would be the equivalent, like a craft market. We have it once a month on our property. We've got 21 acres of land, and, uh, and we have the city come in. And so for a couple of years, as they come through the, the gate into our property, um, we have a problem with security. All right, you kind of know that. And, uh, and so what we would do is we would take uh, five bucks from each person just as a kind of a, uh, we'll look after your car for you. All right, so we made sure that no one stole any cars. And we just took like five bucks. Now, that's less than a dollar. And it really just, it didn't pay for anything. And, uh, but what happened over a time is that as people came in, they thought they were giving a donation to the church. Now the church, it actually cost us money to put this on. It wasn't something that we're trying to like sell cakes to raise money. We were just hosting the city. And uh, the other time I was on the gate uh, because we were kind of rostered in because I want to serve. And I was on the gate for an hour welcoming people. And, uh, and you know, people are asking, you know, when you get there and they say, you want money for me to come in? And I started to really think, man, there's something wrong here. And so uh, we were talking, there was a couple of us on the gate, and I was talking, I said, what about if we just let them in for free? I said, no, you know what, what about we go one step further? Let's pay them to come in. And I was like, the other said, can we do that? So I thought, oh boy, can we do that? Hey, I'm the boss. No, no, I'm not. But I mean, I kind of thought, so it was another elder there, and I said, hey, what about it? Let's the next call, let's see what happens. I'll give them 10 bucks when they come in. All right, so like they, they drove up and I, they were, he holds out his bucks to, to pay me and I went up to them and I put through the window. I said, here's your parking ticket, it's 10 bucks. And he kind of looked at me and he looked at the money, he looked at his money, he looked at his wife, he looked back at me, he said, I don't understand. I said, welcome in, sir, you just, we, you, here's your parking ticket. Kind of looked at it up to see if it was like, you know, real or whatever. And it, it was like, and now the cars are backing up behind him. I said, sir, will you please go in? You're holding up the, the cars. And he kind of drove off bewildered. And for the rest of the morning, I was giving 10 bucks to every car that came in. And it was like, you know, so more blessed to give than to receive. But it changed it. So I went to the elders and said, guys, guys, the world thinks the church needs money. Let's turn it around. And so now, every month after that, and yesterday it happened again, is the first hundred cars, we pay 10 bucks to come in. People can't believe it. 
You see, they can't believe it. In fact, one man said, I, he wouldn't. He threw the money out the car and he said, I will not take the church's money. I said, yeah, now we're being generous on every occasion. And this raises the question then, how do I give more? <laughs> you know, if, if God has given us more so that we can give more, how do we give more? And because we are selfish by nature, as Tony was saying, and we tend to be greedy, how do we give more? I'm going to give you two truths this morning. I believe that they will change your life. If, not just your financial life, but they can change your life. They've changed mine. And I, I mean, there's much more we could say about it. But if I just say you two things this morning, I hope and trust. Now, some of it will just go right over your heads. Some of you will go out this morning the same way you came in. And others will go away with this and start implementing and it will change your life. All right. Number one, how do we give more? How do we be rich, not get rich? Number one is become intentional percentage givers. Now, for a vast number of you, you already do this. So just listen up and then just amen and, and hallelujah, whatever you want. But for others who are not intentional percentage givers, let's look at what the Bible says because it says this in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. It says, each one of us must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God is a cheerful giver. Now that word decided, to understand that word, it means to give with purpose, and to prefer one thing before another. In other words, you have to be intentional about it. You have to decide in your heart, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give this before that. It's purposeful, it's intentional, and it's percentage-wise. It's putting priorities to things. Most of us drift through life. Most of us drift through without purpose in life. I love your, your statement that you're connecting people to God, you're connecting people to their purpose and to one another. And this is brilliant, but you have to be intentional about it, otherwise you'll drift. You'll drift through your finances if you're not purposeful and intentional. If you don't decide at the beginning what you're gonna do, you'll never decide at all. And then it says, God loves a cheerful giver. That word cheerful means prompt and willing. It's not just happy it is, but it's prompt and it's willing. It is, yes, let's do it, but we have to be prompt and willing. So how do we become these intentional percentage priority givers? And that is, let me say, to start with, it's just give to God what is God's. If you would just give to God what is God's, a whole lot will become a whole lot easier. Now, I'm going to show you something, so they're going to bring me up a prop, and hopefully we can have some fun this morning a little bit. But I want to say this, is that, as Tony said, it's called a tithe. Now, a tithe is not a difficult word. A tithe just means 10%. Okay, it's just simple. God gives us, thank you very much. God gives us a percentage that he says if we will do this, with intention and promptness. In Deuteronomy uh, 14.23, it says that the tithe teaches us to fear God. One of the translations says, a tithe teaches us to put God first. And I love that, isn't it? Is that when we come with intention and percentage, what it's doing is it's teaching us to put God first in your life. How many of you wanna have God first in your life? All right, now, so what will happen is, is let's say it'll be like, I've got two beautiful pies up here. Hopefully you can see these. Is it, is it good? Great, all right. So if we would take our 
wages, our salary or our weekly, fortnightly, monthly, however you're paid. And uh, when we get it, it's, it's like this beautiful pie. And so what a lot of us do and what we, we look at it and we're saying, okay, um, we, we've got a mortgage. That's probably our biggest slice of the pie. So we kind of divide this pie up. And uh, I don't know, what about that big? All right. So this is, this is um, hopefully we'll come out. There we go. So this is our mortgage payment. And we, we kind of slice that piece of the pie up. And then uh, what we do is we kind of, we've got our, our car payments. All right. That's depending on one or two cars. So let's give it some of that sort of much. Depends what kind of car you're driving. All right. And then. We've got our utilities that we have to pay. What's that? All right, plating up. Okay, let's not get too technical there, Kath. <laughs> presentation, presentation. Can somebody bring me the cream? And uh, all right, and then you've got your your health insurance. I'm not sure what percentages they are, but anyway, we've got some 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 slices, and maybe some of you have got some. Uh, Education that you, you're paying for in some way. What are some of the other payments that we have to make? Sorry? Food. All right, that's about what's left there, all right? So we kind of, we got some, because you guys love to eat and you eat good food. And that, what's that? Wife's shoes. All right, so we'll slice that one up. We'll put it over there. And, and what happens is, we get to the end and says, oh yeah, we've got to give to God. So let's give him the scraps. But you see, when you're a priority intentional givers, what we do is, when the pie is still hold, whole, what we say is, God, you said, give me a tenth. Okay. So we kind of slice up the first piece, about a tenth of the pie. Is that about a tenth? It's always the best piece, isn't it? That's why we want to put it on ourselves. So we give to God what is God's. The problem is we've only got 10, 90% left. But you know what? I believe that God can do more with 90% than we can do with 100%. Thank you. Anybody for apple pie and ice cream? You'll get it in the wherever. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Hold your horses. Here we go. Jesus. I could have a ride on my hands now. I'm going to have a ride on my hands. Great. Yeah, the girls are getting it. The girls are getting it. All right. All right. Mate, what do you want me to do now? Do you want me to finish tonight or do you want me to close now? Hey? <laughs> All right. So here's the thing. Is what I found that I wasn't a real priority intentional giver. And I took my family into a very difficult place financially. And uh, this is a number of years ago. And God had to teach me that. You know, to become a tither, to become a, and let me just take the word out because sometimes in the church circles, we, we kind of start to, to get the tithe twitch, you know, <laughs> um, 
And, and you may be sitting there this morning and you're thinking, yeah, I just want to run out of here. Why? But here it is. That's why I want to turn around and just say tithe means 10%. It's a, it's a percentage. But the important thing is it's an intentional and it's priority. It's the first that belongs to God. And when we put it first and it's intentional with priority, it teaches us to put God first in our lives. And it's just like anything else, you know, I love golf and I, I like to play the game, and, but I wasn't really good at it and I would play two, three times a year and every time I would play, I'd been invited, I was so embarrassed, I'd tee up and the ball would just go anywhere but where I wanted it to go. And I, it just, and you know, when I, I got to a point in my life where I realized that if I didn't with intention and priority start to learn how to play this game, I would continually be bad at it. And the thing is, sometimes we, we know that we should tithe and we want to tithe. And there's something in us that God has put there to put him first and we need to do it and we want to do it with our finances. And so we do it one month and then something happens and we think, oh yes, I, I'll give, I can't afford this month. And so we go back into our old patterns. We try it once. Friends, if you want to become a giver of intention with priority, you're going to have to do it and keep doing it and doing it and doing it until you're good at it. The Bible says this. But since you excel in everything, in footy, in tipping on the footy, some of you are good. In faith, in speech, in worship, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and in love that we have kindled in you. It says, see that you also excel. Say excel. Excel in this grace of giving. Friends, you know what? That we have to excel in this. (laughs) We actually have to do it well. And you don't do it well unless you practice it. Unless you keep doing it and doing it and doing it. All right? Make sense? All right, let me share with you one more point and then we'll close. And this is, it is as well, it can be life transforming, not just for your finances, but for your, life, for your life, the way that you manage your life. And the number two is, let's create margin and ask God to use it. Not just create margin to have for ourselves, but ask God to get margin into our finances, margin into our time, margin into ministry, and let's ask God to use that. In Proverbs, it says, precious treasure and oil are in the wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man just devours it. You see, Jesus was telling a story and a parable once, and we found it in Luke chapter 12. In verse 13, and it says, someone out of the crowd said, teacher, order my brother, give me a fair share of my family inheritance. Now, can you imagine that Jesus is teaching? He's not teaching on money. He's not teaching on insur- in, uh, inheritance. He's not teaching about sharing. He's teaching something completely different, but there's this guy in the crowd, and he's got an issue in his heart, and he wants to get an answer, and he can't wait for Jesus to stop, and when he just gets a little thing, he jumps and his hands up, and he says, teacher, teacher, teacher. You know those kind of guys in the class, okay? And, and, and he says, tell my brother to give me the right share of my inheritance. Now Jesus then goes on and he says, Mr., what makes you think it's any of my business to be a judge or a mediator for you? Jesus doesn't get drawn in to making those judgments for him. But he's so wise, watch him. He says, and speaking to the people, he went on. It's like he just ignores this guy. And he goes on and he says, guys, take care. Protect yourself against the least bit of greed. 
Life is not defined by what you have, even when you have a lot. In other words, he who dies with the most toys does not win. But he says, he goes right to the issue of the man's heart. He says, it's greed. And I can just imagine all the people standing there and go, huh? Jesus, what are you talking about? So he says, okay, I'll tell you what, guys. I'll tell a story. I'll tell an extreme story. I'll tell a parable. I'm going to make a point out of it. We preachers love parables, don't we? We want to make 100 points where Jesus just made one, all right? So we've got to find what's the one point that Jesus makes in the story. And he starts off with a story, and he tells it. And he says, there was a farm of a certain rich man. What was he? And he produced a terrific crop. He talked to himself. Okay, can you imagine this? He's walking in his fields one night and he's talking to himself and he says, what can I do? My barn isn't big enough for the harvest. Then he said, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. Then I'll gather them in all the grain and goods and I'll say to myself, I love this, big S, self, he says, self, you're done well. You got it made. Now you can retire. Take it easy. Go to, okay, we won't say where. And have, some t- have the time of your life. So you can just imagine. Maybe one day he's walking in his, in his fields. And he, he takes out his calculator, his iPhone. And he worked out, da, 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 da. He realized that his yield is going to be far bigger than he can actually contain. In other words, he's getting a margin. He's getting excess. He's getting more. And he thinks, what am I going to do? I'm going to spend it on myself. He says, just then God showed up and said, you fool. Did you ever get Mr. T? You know, (laughs) you fool. Tonight you're going to die. And you're born full of goods. Who's going to get it? And he has the clangor. He has the one where Jesus just kind of sews up his point. He says, that's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. You see, when God gives us margin, when he gives us more, and we spend it on ourselves, that's not how to be rich, that's how to be greedy. And but our bias and the natural, normal thing is that what the world does is that when I get more, when I get excess, I spend it on myself. Bigger house, bigger car, whatever. I fill my barn with myself. And Jesus is saying, that's not how to be rich. That's how to be greedy. And how to be rich is to ask God, give us margin and then help us use it. Let me ask you, what did the man in the story do? He was a, what was he? It's not a trick question. He was a, a farmer. Yeah, he was a farmer. You have them here? Yeah? I know you do. All right. Who made the farmer rich? God. Who sent the rain? Who made the plants grow? Who made him rich? Was God angry because he was rich? No, he made him rich. Friends, the good news is you're rich. Come on, let's say that together. The good news is we're rich. You didn't say that convincingly. The good news is we're rich. Is God angry at us? No. It's just, what are we doing with our margins? Now, here's the thing. I'm asking this question again. You don't feel rich because you've got no margin. 
You've got no kind of large quantity at the end of your budget. There's more budget than money. And so we don't feel rich. And what's happening is our feelings are determining our beliefs. I don't feel rich, so I don't believe I'm rich. You see, this is an upside down world, guys. It's that my feelings cannot dictate my beliefs. My beliefs have to dictate my feelings. And then I start to act differently. So we are rich. And if I'm not feeling rich, it's because of certain matters. Whatever it is for you. But let's put margin into our lives. Some of you need to put margin into your busyness and into time. Some of you are so busy. You're so busy running around. Your kids are running your world. Some of us are so busy at work that we're neglecting. Oh, we're making potloads of money. But our families are missing us. We need to put margin in our lives. You say, Craig, how do I do that? You see, because what's happening is, is that we're living like this. We earn this and we spend this. We're right here. So we've got to put margin. How do we put margin? It's simple, two ways. Two ways, simply. First way, earn more. Okay, you're good at that. I'm not going to tell you anything more about that. You're a wealthy people, a wealthy country. All I want to say is, let's say, spend less. You say, Craig, how do I spend less? Yeah, it is. I'm going to tell you. It's, I tell you, this is going to change your world. Listen, how do I spend less? Spend less. There's a statement. I'm not sure if, did I, did I give you that statement, Tony? God has blessed us with more. Is it up there? One to come? Not there. Oh, okay. Let's stand. You know, friends, one of the greatest reasons that this is such a battle and a fight for us is because what happened in Genesis, we have told the story of how man was created as the pinnacle of God's, cre- of God's creation and the arch rival of heaven, Satan himself, hates everything about God and everything that God's created. And he came and the most valuable, could I say, the most valuable creation of God was man in his own image. And the, and the enemy came and he lured man away. Man gave over his responsibility of being in relationship with God and a ruler over this world. And he, and he gave it over to, to the arch rival of heaven. And what the enemy has done ever since then, he's wanted to trample on the creation. What he's done is he's caused God's creation to worship themselves. He's got us worshiping ourselves. He's got us dressing our own idol. He's got us worshiping anything else other than God. And really, that was what God wanted. He created us in his image so that he could have a relationship with us. 
so that we'd have a purpose. And that's why God sent his son Jesus, the most valuable person in the universe. And Jesus came, Emmanuel, God on earth, he came to restore us back to the original intent and state that God created us so that we may have a relationship with him and that we may rule and have a purpose and that we may be like God on this earth. And as Tony has said, the more we give and the more generous we are and what we do with our finances puts God on display. This is not a prosperity gospel. You know, the prosperity gospel said, give more and you'll get more to spend on yourself. That's not good news, friends. The good news is this, is that if you give more, you'll get more. And when you get more, you can give more. That's not prosperity. That's how to be rich. That's how to be different. That's how to be kingdom. That's how to turn your world upside down. And so Jesus came so that he could turn the world the right side up. And it's only when we allow Jesus to come and and put the blinkers upon our, our, our world and take us and lead us through the most difficult things in, in this world and that is finances. And when we start to get those things right, friends, the rest of our lives start to open up. He may take us through a very narrow place, but he takes us there so that he can open up to us because he says, those who've been given much, much will be required. Yeah. Friends, we've been given much, haven't we? Much is going to be required of us. Jesus was, was crucified. The Bible says a divine exchange took place as Jesus became poor so that we could become rich. It says Jesus took upon himself all our sins so that we could get all his righteousness. Jesus came and he took all our guilt all the shame. It's an upside down world, isn't it? Jesus takes everything so that I can have everything. And friends, that's the kingdom message is that God has given everything so that we could have everything, not for ourselves, but that we could worship him with what we have. And we have finances, we have time, we have treasures. Let's worship God with what we have. Let's be rich, not let, get, not let us try and get rich. We are rich. Can I pray for you? And I'll hand over to Tony. Father, would you come and help us? You may be here this morning and saying, Craig, I, 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 I do, I want to I wanna give, I, I want to make God a priority in my life. I want margin. Maybe you're living without margin in your life. I want to just pray for you quickly. If that's you, you can just, just raise your hands or however you want. Maybe you haven't been an intentional, priority, regular giver, and you're saying, this morning God has been speaking to me. I want to pray for the grace of God to come and enable you to do that. Just respond to him by raising your hands however you want. But Father, you see every hand raised. You see every heart that's, that's represented by those hands that are raised. I say, would you help us, oh God? Would you give grace to us as we humble ourselves and would you lead us through the narrow, difficult places 
so that we could become intentional priority givers that have margin in our lives for your glory and for your honor. You know, friends, God can better use people with margin than those who don't. If you don't have finances, how are you going to give it? If you don't have time, how are you going to be used by him? Go and be rich. Don't try and get rich. God bless you. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen. And God bless.